0: James chapter 3, verse 13. This is the English Standard Version. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, we have been talking over the past several weeks about the ingredients that comprise good character. And if you missed some of those previous uh, Wednesday night services, I would suggest that you go back or go online, rather, and you can download them for free and and listen to them. I I believe that will bless you. Character is the strength of a person's nature. It is the sum total of several components in his life, such as integrity, reliability, sincerity, And devotion. It's interesting that Boaz said to Ruth in the book of Ruth, chapter 3, verse 11, in the NIV, in the New International Version, he said to her, all the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character or good character. And that's why he chose to marry her. That's why he married her. Most women assume that men are only interested in one thing, Beauty. Good looks may perhaps get you noticed, but good character will get you married. Amen. Besides that, you want to marry a Boaz, single ladies, not a Brokaz. You want to marry a Boaz, and a Boaz is not just looking for a pretty face and a pretty figure. He's looking for a woman of great virtue. Godly men want to marry godly women. Uh, While I'm on the subject, you don't find godly men in bars. You don't meet them on questionable apps and, and dangerous websites on the dark web. You meet them in places like this. I'm not, incur- I'm not in- implying that you have to meet them tonight. I'm just saying that, <laughs> amen. Godly men are found in godly places. Some women, some oh, I don't know why. Maybe somebody needs to hear this. Some Christian women, they say they want a man who is Christ-like. He's 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 good. He's honest. He's gentle. He's caring. But then they go to all these sleazy methods to get a man like that. So if you act cheap, you're going to get a cheap guy. Who's not going to be the things you say you want. Oh, I don't know. Somebody, uh, maybe you don't appreciate this, but maybe this will help somebody. Hallelujah. I'm not picking on women today. I'll get to the men in a moment. Many, many women will spare no expense to enhance their appearance. And I don't have a problem with that. That's not a sin. Maybe some need to spend a little more. But, um, <laughs> but not many or not many enough will put forth the effort to improve their character. So in other words, if you prayed as much as you sprayed, you'd be in a better position. So if you're still single, and I know that doesn't sound very nice, if you're a lady-in-waiting, Maybe it's because, I don't know, but maybe it's because God is giving you a little more time to kind of develop some character in certain areas so that you'll be better prepared when Boaz comes. Are there any Boazes here today? (laughs) Praise the Lord. In Proverbs 12, verse 4, in the God's Word translation, it says, a wife with strength of character is the crown of her husband. The Hebrew word for crown also means a wreath. Because in ancient times, athletes who successfully competed in sports or those who were victors on the battlefield were crowned with a laurel wreath. That is, it was made from like, you know, little branches of, you know, olive branches or different things like... Uh, uh, woven together to make like a little crown. In fact, that's where we get the expression sitting on your laurels because you've already got that wreath, and so you don't need to try anymore. That's the idea. So that wreath was worn as a sign of honor and distinction. Today, you might think of it this way. We give gold medals, like in the Olympics for those who finish first, or maybe in the military, we give medals for bravery and that type of thing. So we could say that a wife with good character is like a gold medal around the neck of her husband. So that means you see somebody, you know, in India, if you win even a bronze medal, you're, not, you're like nationally known. You're famous. You know, their government will give you money, right? right? So like if you have a wife with character, that means at least in God's eyes, you're a winner, I know I have a gold medal. Some of you have bronze. But nonetheless, (laughs) let's move on. (laughs) Amen. So in other words, a wife with godly character brings honor to to her husband. That distinguishes him from other men. They even envy him. And he can be proud of her. The new life version says that that woman is the pride and joy of her husband. Be that type of woman. I said, you be that type of woman. The pride and joy of her husband. Not the heartache and sorrow of her husband. <laughs> Amen, let's move on. Notice Psalm 78, verse 72. Psalm 78, 72 says this, the New International Version. And David shepherd them... With integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. So God chose a man to lead his people, and he chose a man who had integrity. David was honest, he was faithful, he was virtuous, he was a man after God's own heart, he had godly character. So if God selected a man with good character to lead the nation, why would he choose a man with no character to lead a church or to head up a ministry? He won't. Amen. Hallelujah. David was not appointed and anointed and then once in office developed character. David had character when he was a nobody in the sight of men. David had character and grew in character when the only congregation he had were sheep. Amen. The only job he had was tending them. So don't wait until you get promoted and then think, now I'll develop character. You'll be waiting a long time. You develop the character that's needed so that you'll be prepared for promotion. So, you know, men, women too, men, if you feel like God has better things for you, and you're ready to move up to the next level maybe god is giving you more time to develop character any area of weakness in your character is a soft target where the enemy will focus his attacks if you have a and all all christians have weaknesses that's true in their character if you have a weakness for wine a weakness for women or weakness for wealth, that's the place where you are most susceptible to temptation. So that's the area that needs to be strengthened and fortified in your life. Hallelujah. The devil is going to tempt you in your area of weakness and in your moment of weakness too. So strengthen those areas. Now, several several times uh, my wife and I have visited... Uh, the city of Williamsburg in my home state of Virginia in America. Williamsburg is a city that has been preserved. It it, it is exactly the way it is since, since the 1700s. They haven't haven't changed it. It's like like the whole town is like a big museum. The houses, the buildings are preserved exactly like they were in the 1700s. Even the people that work there dress in period costume and and all of that type of thing, you know. So it's an interesting place to go. And one of the, I was especially interested to visit the church. They have a church there. And it's an active, regular church. And it was there since the, the 1700s. And, um, so when I, when I, uh, also visited the church there, I spoke with the man who was like, kind of like the curator, you know, he's in charge of giving tours and that type of thing. And so I asked him, you know, things like, did John Wesley preach in this church? He said, yes, he did. And things like that. And uh, who preached in this church, you know, did other famous people attend this church? And he show, told me who did. And, and I asked him this question, what did the preachers In the 1700s mostly preach on what was their topic what was the most common theme and he said character character godly Christ like character and then most of the books and booklets and pamphlets that were printed in that day focused on character yet today we don't hear very much about this topic because it's not popular, because people don't want to hear it. They just want to hear about something that kind of tickles their ear maybe or, or something that's kind of light and easy. Huh? But, you know, if we don't preach on character, we shouldn't be surprised if nobody walks in much character. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Notice this scripture, Proverbs 11.3. The integrity of the upright guides them. Integrity is part of character. Integrity is a moral compass, always pointing you in the correct direction. So when you're not sure which way to go, do what you know is right. Follow what you know is right in your heart. Now, If you're born again, you have the life and nature of God in you. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. So your conscience is a safe guide. But of course, there are some people in the world, their compass is broken. Even there are some Christians whose compass is damaged. It's not so reliable because their character is weak. There are some things a man with character does not need to pray about. He already knows. He already knows I should not be involved with that. Or he already knows this is something that I must do. I have to do this. Character will guide you. Amen? So again, if you're a person, I don't want to accuse you of anything, but a person with low character may often be confused in life. Which way do I go? Because character will guide you. Amen? Integrity will guide you. In the Old Testament we read about uh, the king of the Moabites. His name was Balak. And he wanted to defeat the Israelites. He was afraid of the children of Israel. So he wanted to hire Balaam, who was a Gentile prophet. He was, he was not a Jew, but he, but he knew God. And he wanted Balaam, the prophet, to curse the people of Israel. So he sent to Balaam distinguished princes, princes of Moab, along with a fee for divination money to invite Balaam to come and help him. Balaam told the princes of Moab, let me pray about it. Let me inquire from God. And so that night God spoke to him and told him in Numbers 22 and verse 12, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. All right, so the next morning, he sent them away He told them what God said. Can't do it. God said they're blessed, so I can't curse whom God has blessed. By the way, just a thought here. Sometimes people say, oh, Brother John, please pray for me. You know, there's some, you know, devil woman in my village, and I think she put a curse on me. Or, or I'm concerned this family doesn't like us and they've done some magic potion and they put a curse on our family. No, no one can curse whom God has blessed. Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law. Abraham's blessing is yours. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, I believe it is, the cursed causeless shall not alight or it shall not, it shall not land On the one, someone curses you without a cause, that shall not land on you. You don't need to worry about that. God's blessed you. Amen? Hallelujah. But then Balak, the king, decided to send even more prominent men to Balaam. See, it's like some people. You tell them no, and then they come back the next day to zabrzast you some more. I don't know, maybe Balak was from Nagland. I'm not sure. But anyways... He sent more people, and he said to Balaam, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. In other words, go ahead and name your price. So Balaam said, all right, let me inquire of the Lord, and I'll get back to you. So that night, God said to Balaam, okay, go with them. Okay. So the next day they went, and on the way, an angel from heaven with a sword in his hand stood in the road. That's not a good thing. It's a very interesting story, actually. We don't have time to. And the Bible says God opened the eyes of the donkey and he saw the angel. Isn't it funny that some donkeys have more revelation than some believers? (laughs) And so the donkey turned. He didn't want to go that way. And Balaam got mad. He was slapping that donkey. Come on, what you doing? And and then the angel appeared the other way and the, and the, and on the other side, and the donkey turned away. And Balaam was so angry, he was beating that donkey. And then God opened the mouth of the donkey. And the donkey had a message for the prophet. Bible school students be encouraged. Be strongly encouraged. If God could use a donkey, he could use you too. <laughs> and the donkey said, why are you beating me? You know, if I was Balaam, I would have just passed out if my donkey talked to me. But he, he was so angry, he didn't even notice it. He talked back and said, I'm ready to kill you. And the donkey said, have I ever been unfaithful to you? And Balaam said, well, no. Have I ever done you wrong? Well, no. I wonder what your donkey would say. I wonder what your cat, your dog would, if God would tonight open the mouth of your cat, maybe your cat would say, do you think I like being out here in the rain? (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) then God opened Balaam's eyes. He saw the angel and the angel said, I've come. This is in verse 32, same chapter. I've come to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. And he said, if your donkey hadn't stopped, I would have killed you. That seems like a really strange story. I mean, didn't God tell Balaam, all right, go ahead. Yes, but you see, Balaam didn't need to pray that second time. If God says to you, this is not my will, you don't need to keep praying. If it's no today, it's gonna be no tomorrow usually. If if God said, this is not my will for you, more money is not going to change his mind. So you don't need to ask him again. So God said, well, I can see you've got your heart set on this, so just go ahead. Just go ahead, you see. But uh, he had an unpleasant experience on the way to church that day. <laughs> but Balaam did blessed the people of God. He didn't curse them, you see. But the Bible says this, that he forsook the right way because he loved the wages of wrongdoing. In other words, he, he compromised his integrity because of the love of money, because of money, amen? There are some things you don't need to pray about. You know, in your government office, someone offers you a bribe to do something that's wrong. You don't need to pray about that. Oh, Lord, is this, is this your way of supplying all my needs? I, I was praying for my needs to be met. This must be God. Someone comes to your house. A candidate offers to buy your vote. You don't need to pray about that, do you? Huh? The integrity of the upright shall guide them. Come on, you, you sell your vote, and then you complain about the roads and the bridges and electricity. Well, aren't you to blame? Hmm? Of course you are. Hallelujah. You're promised a promotion at work if you lie on a report. See, that's acting like Balaam. Maybe on your way home from church tonight, there'll be an angel with a sword in his hand. And instead of riding a donkey, he said, You look like a donkey. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Back to Psalm 78, verse 72. Are you still here tonight? Mm. Psalm 78, verse 72, in the easy-to-read version, says this. And David led them with a pure heart and guided them very wisely. Wow, that's a wonderful statement. He led them with a pure heart. He didn't have a selfish agenda. And he guided them very wisely. So this verse defines character because other translations say he had integrity, and that's part of character, a large part of it. So this verse defines character as having a pure heart. So lack of character would be the result of an impure heart, one that's contaminated. God recreated us in the new birth with a clean heart, but now we must guard our hearts James chapter 1 verse 27 tells us that we are to keep oneself unstained from the world. Many people in Nagaland or wherever you're from, I'm sure, many people will not drink from a bottle of water in a restaurant if it looks like the cap has been opened. They'll look at it and they'll say, oh, no, 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 no. That looks like that's been opened. Give me me a fresh bottle, one that hasn't been opened, because they only want pure water in their bodies because they know impure water can lead to illness, but they don't realize impure thoughts can lead to sin. Amen. Keep oneself unstained from the world. The integrity of the upright shall guide them. So David was led by integrity, and then by integrity he led the nation if you can't lead yourself, you will never lead others. Amen. In fact, James also tells us that if we're in a position of responsibility and authority, we'll be judged by a stricter standard. So in other words, just somebody like, you know, in a subservient position, someone lower, you know, with less responsibility, less authority, you know, maybe there's some things that for them, it's not so important. But for somebody who's in authority, now that's more important. They, they can't get by that way. They have to be more careful. Amen? Amen? So some people say, oh, Lord, make me the, the head of this. Make, put me in authority. Let, let me be the, the lead pastor. Well, then you're, you're asking. See, when you hear the word authority, think to yourself responsibility. And that'll change your prayer life. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah? Notice also this, it says, and he guided them very wisely. Just want to spend a couple of minutes on this, just a few minutes left here this evening. Wisdom is an important component of character. Wisdom. Wisdom is part of godly character. And at the same time, I believe that wisdom is a byproduct of godly character. So if you, it takes wisdom to have character, and if you have good character, it also produces wisdom. Wisdom is having sound judgment. It is the ability to make good decisions, bringing a good outcome. Wisdom recognizes the principle of cause and effect. That if I do this today, this will be the result tomorrow. That for every choice, there is a consequence. So wisdom always considers the future. What will be the end result of my actions today? Many Christians fail in life simply because they do not use wisdom. They want God to perform a miracle so they can escape from the problems which were created by their own lack of wisdom. See, God is merciful and he can work wonders in our life and he can get us out of bad jams. But why not, instead of just believing him for a miracle, why not begin by believing him for wisdom so that you don't need a miracle? Amen. Right. Hallelujah. You and I are free to make our own choices in life, but we're not free from the consequences of our choices. Your life is a sum total of your choices. You're here tonight because you chose to be here. You're, you know Jesus as Lord because you chose to receive him, to believe the gospel. Your life is a sum total of all of the choices you make. Amen. So if you're not happy with your life, then you need wisdom to make better choices, and then you'll have better results. One common problem, one common problem is a lack of common sense. M- many people act simply on impulse. Whatever they feel like doing, that's what they do. I mean, emotionally, they just feel like doing something just Uh, Sometimes just in the flesh, they just feel like doing something, they just run off and do it. But wisdom is principled living, living by principles, the principles, the truth of God's word, not just by your emotions or your fleshly feelings. Amen? Amen? It is often said that a fool and his money are soon parted. Actually, this is not in my notes, but Proverbs 3.16 tells us that wisdom is holding in its right hand riches and honor. So many people today think they need more money. That's a very common request. When in reality, they need more wisdom. Because even if God gave you today the money you need, if you don't have any wisdom, You and your money will say goodbye, and then you're going to be right back in the same place again very soon, and you're going to need another miracle. Amen. Hallelujah. A person lacking in good judgment gets into debt, buying frivolous things he does not need, like loud motorbikes. Buying frivolous things he does not need with money he does not have. Without wisdom, a person gets tangled up with unseemly people in dubious business arrangements. People without wisdom are not a good judge of character because they don't have any character. I mean, there's a lot of people that got mixed up with wrong people. Uh, And, and you know, you can see it yourself sometimes, and you even try to warn that person, this guy is a crook. This guy, you know, he has bad intentions. Don't get mixed up with him. And they say, oh, it'll be all right. You're always so suspicious, and you never trust me, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's only a short time later. Often now, you know, the whole deal was a terrible scheme, and they got cheated out of their money you know, or something like that, or it's illegal or something like that, and they're in trouble. Mm? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. A foolish person fritters away the day because he doesn't manage his time well. Rich or poor, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. It's not like the rich have 30 hours and poor people only have 16. We all get the same 24 hours in a day how you spend those hours will largely determine whether you are rich or poor amen some people waste years of their life on meaningless pursuits huh you'll find out that time especially as you get older time is your most valuable possession it's more important than money it's more important than lands or houses because it's limited. It's very limited. As you get older, you tend to be more concerned about the time. See? Praise the Lord. When you're young, you feel like you're going to live in this world forever. So who cares? But you're not. Amen. Amen. So be wise in how you spend your time. Hallelujah. Let me... Let me go on. Notice James chapter 3, verse 13 again. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. The ICB translation says this Then he should show his wisdom by living right. He should do good things without being proud. A wise person does not brag. So you don't need to tell anybody how wise you are. Your life demonstrates it. I said, you don't need to tell anybody how wise you are. It's not necessary. Your life is proof of the wisdom you do or don't have. Because your life is the end product of your wisdom or your lack of wisdom. Amen. Many years ago, when I was a Bible school student... Uh, I had a, a, a part-time job uh, delivering office supplies, mostly uh, cartons of paper, to different businesses in the city there. And I one day I drove past this house on the side of the highway. It was all uh, run down. The windows were most many many of the windows were broken. You know, the house hadn't been painted in a long time. The roof looked like it was sagging, you know, like it was falling apart. The grass, you know, in the compound was all overgrown like jungle and everything. And uh, then in front of this dilapidated house was a sign that said, financial counsel available here. I mean... Why on earth would I seek advice on finances from somebody who looks like they're a beggar? Who looks like their life is... Fa- Why would I seek wisdom from somebody whose life is falling apart at the seams? Huh? Remember, students, we mentioned... You probably don't remember, but, you know, the first psalm says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Right? So you don't need, you don't need help for your marriage by reading Cosmopolitan. You don't need to go to Bollywood or Jollywood to get help for your marriage. Yeah, let's ask them. They've been married seven times. They probably know. You need to go to the right source. You need to go to the word of God, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Some translations say the teaching of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Proverbs chapter two, verse six. I'm, I'm going to be done in a minute here. That would be wise. I want to manage the time well here. Proverbs 2:6 uh, Proverbs chapter two verse six says, "For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Wisdom is not the product of the human intellect. Wisdom is a gift from God. Wisdom is not knowledge. It is the God-given skill to correctly apply knowledge. So what most people today, even in the church need, is not more knowledge, it's wisdom. Think of it this way, knowledge is like money. It's a resource. Wisdom is knowing how to invest that money or how to spend or not spend that money. So a lot of people today have knowledge they know about many things, but not things that matter. They know facts and figures, but they don't know what to do with their life. Many schools and universities have this theme, knowledge is power. But the richest man who ever lived in Israel said in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing. It means it's the main thing, the most important thing. So that's why we have so many educated, unemployed youth in this state. Because they have knowledge, presumably they have knowledge, but it doesn't. you need more than knowledge to be successful. You need wisdom. It would be better for you to have less knowledge and more wisdom than all the knowledge in the world. You know everything about everything but you have no wisdom. You don't know what to do with it. Let me just help you out. The most successful people in life are not good at everything. They're really good at one or maybe two things. I said the most successful people in life are not good at everything. They're good at, they're really good, exceptionally good at maybe one or two things. So what is your your assignment? What is your gifting? What has God called you to do? Then focus on that. Do what God called you to do. Let somebody else do the other thing. So you notice even in this church, there's a lot of things I don't do. Why? Because that's not me. That's not what God asked me to do. That's not who I am. That's not the, that's not the, the, the talents, the gifts, the abilities that God gave me. So I'm going to stick with what I have. And somebody else can do those other things. Why don't you start an English medium school, you know, like grammar school, high school? Because that's not my calling. God didn't tell me to do that. Yeah, but, you know, you could get a lot of students. No, I'm going to walk in the wisdom of God, not the reasoning logic of men. Amen. So God gives wisdom from his mouth. From his mouth come wisdom. So the wisdom of God is the word of God. The wisest thing you can ever do is to obey God's word. Amen. Very simply. So it's no secret. If you want to be wise, do what God says to do. If you want to be a fool, don't do what he says. If you do what God says to do, the world will call you a fool. If you don't do what God says to do, God will call you a fool. So you decide. You want to be a fool in the eyes of the world? or a fool in the eyes of God. You're going to be somebody's fool. That's a fact. Somebody is going to call you a fool. Either God or the devil. Which one is it going to be? I'd rather be a fool for God than a fool for the devil. Amen. Hallelujah. James chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth or lie against the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Isn't that amazing? If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, I mean, James is writing to Christians. Is it possible that Christians could be motivated by selfish ambition, certainly that would never happen in the body of Christ, would it? Is that possible? Oh, brother, are you kidding? Sure, it's possible, left and right. (laughs) Huh? And bitter jealousy. Huh? So that means motive matters. I said motive matters, right? It's not just where you arrive at, but how you got there that matters. Mm-hmm. Some people climb the pinnacle of success over the backs of other people. They achieve great success and, of course, destroy many lives in the process. See, there's more than one kind of wisdom. There is a wisdom from the word, and there is a wisdom from the world. So what some people call wisdom, they say he's cunning, he's cunning he's crafty, uh, he's sly, he's slick. Well, the Bible says, and he's devilish. <laughs> That's not the kind of wisdom that you and I should be operating in. Amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Glory to God, amen. Amen. Wisdom is doing things God's way. Fleshly wisdom says, by all means, make all you can, and then hold on to it as long as you can, right? Make all you can, put it in the can, sit on the can. You know, that's the world's idea. God's wisdom says things like this in Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given to you. Well, the world would laugh at that. That's foolish. Or in Proverbs eleven twenty-five, the one who waters will be watered himself. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Human wisdom says if somebody mistreats you, teach them a lesson. Take revenge on them. God says in Romans 12:19, do never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. In fact, if your enemy is thirsty, give him some water. If he's hungry, give him some food. Woo. So it's the exact opposite of human wisdom. Amen. And here's where faith comes in. I'm gonna do what God says to do. I'm gonna follow the wisdom of God because I believe if I do that, that will produce the right result. And I also believe that if I don't do that, if I do what my natural tendency is, I also believe it will produce the wrong result. Amen, hallelujah. So faith not only believes the promises of God, it believes the commands of God, amen, hallelujah. Okay, let me wrap this up. All of these little closings are just kind of, you know, to keep you alert. Godly wisdom is always connected to godly character. It is always connected to godly character. Verse 17, we'll close with this last verse. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits impartial and sincere see if whatever you're operating in whatever kind of wisdom you're operating in if it doesn't have godly character that's not the kind of wisdom that we're talking about that's that's devilish wisdom or that's earthly wisdom or that's carnal wisdom if your plans your methods don't produce peace If your way of living is biased toward others, if it's harsh and completely unreasonable, won't even listen to any other suggestion, if your wisdom is unmerciful and insincere, that's not from God. That's not God's way of you getting ahead in life. Amen? Hallelujah? The wonderful thing is we can pray and we can believe God for wisdom. And you can demonstrate that wisdom by good living, by living for God. Hallelujah. Let's all stand up. Hallelujah.